Welcome, everybody, to episode 23 of Gen Z Rockets. I'm your host, Nima Javadza, and you can find me on Twitter at FindingNima23 and the podcast at Gen Z Rockets. And today with me, I have a special guest. We're going to talk about our big boards. We're going to talk a little bit about the draft. I have Brad LeBlanc. I have Brad LeBlanc. Uh, ah, shit. What's your app? There we go. Hakeem. Yeah. All right. I have Brad LeBlanc at Hakeem the Dream or the underscore dream uh, on Twitter. How are you doing today? How's it going? Welcome to the podcast. This is your first podcast, right? Yes, I'm doing great today. First podcast. I've been trying to get on a podcast for so long. So I'm happy you reached out to me about this and I'm excited to talk about Rocket Hoops. Yeah, for sure, bro. We, uh, me and you have been going back and forth about, about the draft stuff for a while, uh, talking about different guys. So it's, it's always good to, you know, sit down and actually talk about it, be able to get some, get some words out. Um, draft coming up in 18 days now. Very exciting. I remember at one point we were counting down months to the lottery. Uh, it's nice to, first of all, have less days to count, but second of all, actually be, uh, be counting towards something that we know has meaning because the buildup to that lottery was, was tough, was tough. But, um, you know, before we get into, before we get into the draft stuff, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., um, that video of him working out in Chicago, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Obviously, you know, it is off-season run, but he looks like he's, you know, slimmed down a little bit. And honestly, I, I don't believe this man's just 6'6". Six, six. Like, he's got to be like 6'7". No, he's, <laughs> he's huge. And he looks amazing. And, you know, he's, he's working on his craft day in and day out. He's working with Chris Brickley, one of the best trainers out there. So I, it's good to see him out there training so often and, you know, just working on his game. I think he's going to be an amazing player for us. Going yeah, forward. and... He, I mean, it's just like he's so young. I'm, I'm very excited about that. Um, yeah. Christian Wood, too. I mean, I talked to uh, Rafael Barlow. He was on the podcast last episode for people that listened. Uh, you know, you heard him talk about how he got to see Christian Wood in person. He got to talk to Silas and uh, DJ Wilson and, you know, watch them work out. And, you know, it, it it's getting me excited for next season. I him working out with DJ Wilson makes me think maybe we bring back DJ Wilson. I know his cap holds about 15 million. So we're probably, you know, not putting him through restricted free agency, but um, makes me think that DJ Wilson wants to stick around in Houston for a little bit, which makes me a little excited. Maybe we have a, you know, a good environment that players actually want to want to play in for once, um, especially like role players. I feel like we, uh, we kind of were always shooting bottom of the barrel the last like 10 years in terms of role players. I mean, bringing guys like James Ennis, who he's doing all right in Orlando right now. (laughs) And so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, just what's happening with this Rockets team. It's different. It's different. And it feels, feels very exciting. And another thing that's very different is we have to prepare for the draft. I don't remember the last time that I went through and like genuinely watched draft people. (laughs) Right. Until, yeah, until this year it's just exciting to you know you have some top picks and then picks 23 and 24 you just want to get in and see who the rockets could potentially grab and so, i will say like this is this is a, like really good practice and i wish i kind of wish the rockets were bad earlier i i know that sounds horrible but just for my own sake because like i genuinely enjoy like watching these guys and like doing scouting and stuff i'm like man why haven't i been doing this yeah. and just because i never you know i never had a reason to uh do it other than you know for personal use but 
it's 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 dope i i give complete credit to the guys who do this year in and year out this draft stuff is hard hard as hell and there's no way that you know you to people listening don't take my word don't take his word don't take anybody's word who comes on here because <laughs> you know we see these guys be consensus lottery picks and uh you know the top 14 guys in the draft are never the top 14 people so um you know you always got to expect different risers and whatnot and we're gonna go ahead and get into it with somebody who's been rising up a lot of big boards and somebody who's been falling in a lot of big boards uh me and brad are going to compare our big boards a little bit and we're going to start off kind of near the top uh the top four guys we seem to agree on i mean i have and you know this is a shocker to people listening i have evan mobley ahead of jalen green right now wow uh but we'll talk about that at the end uh we're going to start off with jonathan Kaminga versus scotty barnes because uh you have Barnes over Kaminga at five and six. Right. Uh, and you have them in your second tier alone. I have Kaminga, Moody, Barnes, and Book Knight in my second tier in that order. So Barnes is uh, number seven overall for me and Kaminga number five. Uh, go ahead and give me, you know, what's what's your case for Scotty Barnes? Also, Kaminga, what are your thoughts on those two guys? And why do, why do you have uh, Barnes over Kaminga? Starting with Scotty, you know, when I, when I initially uh, scouted Scotty, I had him around 15. You know, he looks amazing, you know, very gifted athlete, insane defender, very passionate, uh, 7-2 wingspan, 6-8. So he's clamping up point guards for the full 94 feet, and that's just very impressive to me. But, you know, obviously where he lacks is his shooting ability, and it's kind of worrisome because teams will really go under that pick and roll and force him to shoot. And, it, and you know, it's kind of troublesome if he's not able to develop his game in that, in that manner. But I saw him in the combine, and, he just really impressed me, and I'm, I'm really buying into Scotty Barnes, the person to improve his game, because I think he's probably the most passionate person in this entire draft class. So I just really think that he'll, get out, he'll go out there and improve his game. So that's why I like Scotty Barnes, and I moved him up to ultimately five. And Kaminga, I mean, most people will tell you this is a five-star draft class with Kaminga being that fifth person. But as everyone knows, Kaminga just had a really bad year with the G League Ignite, like poor efficiency all year round. Uh, you can look at his field goal percentage, three-point percentage, true shooting percentage. It's all awful. But, I mean, he has that star quality to him. He takes a lot of tough shots because he can make those shots. So I just think he has to tap into the tools that will, that will really elevate his game, and you have to really buy into that. But, yeah, I just have him at six so far. He just had a bad year. I still think he has the potential to be an amazing player. I think if he goes to OKC where he has an ability to work on his craft, he, he might have the opportunity to turn out. But that's why I have Scotty Barnes over Kaminga right now. I think that's fair. That's a, the, but like that's all a fair argument. Um, my thing with Barnes is, from what I've heard from people who have worked closely with him or you know scouted near him or seen him in person or whatnot, um, Scotty Barnes the person is who you're drafting. It's not Scotty Barnes the player. Like that is that is the value, and you know. As, as someone who's just kind of taking that all, you know, by other people's word, I completely understand that. I'm never going to understand Scotty Barnes a person because I don't know him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I take that into account of, you know, I don't know Jonathan Kaminga the person, but I do know Jonathan Kaminga the person was willing to go and play in the G League and better his craft. Or maybe he just did it for money. You know, it, it could be either one. But, you know, in the, in, in the sense of like, like for example, Jalen Green, like you, you know that the reason why he went was to play against professionals and, and you know, get that extra, that extra level of play. 
like the money helped, but, but it was definitely the, the ability to, you know, play in the G league play against, you know, the highest quality of play you probably can, unless you want to go get up and go to Europe or something with, with Jonathan Kaminga, I really buy the ability for him to blossom. Like I, I think he's still extremely raw and I, I kind of don't like the idea of betting on raw prospects that much uh, just because it doesn't work out very often. But with Kaminga, I really buy the ability for him to, you know, create his own shot, really for him to become a like top level scorer in the league. He's a great defensive player. He really showed that against other professionals. I like it. I I I really, really enjoy it. And with Scotty Barnes, like this play style, honestly, like the 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 sort of like point forward, the the big initiator. I love that play style. I mean, like Josh Smith, Lamar Odom type of guys who like those are my favorite type of players growing up. I would love Draymond Green if I didn't have to deal with him smacking the hell out of us every single year, you know? Yeah. Scotty Barnes is one of those guys. I love it. I love it. I love it. I just, I don't know. The offense worries me a little bit. And if you know, if you can't play offense in the NBA, it's it's going to be tough for me to see you kind of really breaking that wall. But the thing is, is Scotty Barnes, like it's, I'm, I, the reason why I'm still very high on him, like five, six, seven for me. I know I have Moses Moody kind of just in that fold, but five, six, seven for me is sort of interchangeable. Like I could have Moody at five. I've thought about it way more than I'm happy about, <laughs> but I could also have like Scotty Barnes at six. I think book night is like very comfortably the back of tier two for me. Sort of like how like Suggs is very comfortably like the back of tier one. Like you can change Mobley green, but Suggs is very clearly four. That's how I feel about tier two. You're a little lower on book night though. You have him at 11, but you know, in, in terms of Kaminga and Barnes, I think the, you know, Barnes's defense is right. is probably better than is better than Kaminga's, but Kaminga's defense is still one of the best in this class. Uh, and I just buy the ability, you know, the bubble was the, or gubble, I guess, <laughs> was a very weird environment. And, you know, it's very one of a kind for these guys. I do think Kaminga is more of a project and it's going to take a little bit longer. So I do agree with you that, you know, maybe an OKC is a good location for him. But even, you know, number five to Orlando, I don't think that's a bad place. I think that's somewhere where you can learn from a guy like Terrence Ross, who's sort of a pure scorer. Um, I think that's a good person to mentor Kaminga for a year. Uh, also having a lot of guys who can take the ball out of your hands and you don't have to worry about being an initiator. You don't have to worry about, you know, really creating for yourself every single time because you have guys like Markel Fultz, you have guys like Cole Anthony and RJ Hampton on the team. And, you know, also if you take, you know, I, they have pick eight as well. You could reach for a guy like Josh Giddy, or you could take a, you know, Keon Johnson type of guy who, or Davion Mitchell, who can kind of also initiate if you want that type of person. And so I think Orlando would also be a very good fit for him. I, I just think that wherever he goes, I think five, six, seven. But if he goes to any of those three teams, I think he's set. Like, especially the Warriors. If you go to the Warriors as a wing, you're fine. <laughs> if you go to the Warriors as a wing, you go play next to Clay and, and Steph Curry, you're fine. So I think both of them are going to be very good players. There's a reason why I have both of them in that second tier. And you have them alone in the second tier. So there's obviously a little bit of separation there. But I do think, you know, there's been a lot of people who have Barnes at that five spot. So it is, a, it is an interesting conversation to have. It is, it is something to, to watch on draft night because I do think Barnes could slide up to five.
Right. Yeah. And I guess I really have I really have Scotty and Kaminga in their own tier because I can see these players really becoming stars. I see Moses Moody as like a Macau Bridges kind of mold, like a really good Macau Bridges. So not really a star, but like just the perfect guy on your basketball team. Like all 30 teams would need a Moses Moody. So that's kind of why I think I have them in their own tier alone. And Kaminga, I'll just touch in last thing with him. His defense, like he, he's the most physically ready player in the draft class, in my opinion. This is a number one former uh, former number one top 100 guy. So, I mean, he's amazing. I mean, if he had a good year in the G League, you know, he could potentially be in the conversation for the top three, top two, or however well he played. I mean, I think he's that kind of prospect. Like, I think just the poor year just, you know, halted his, his draft stock. That happens way too often with people, and it's kind of upsetting. But that happens with, you know, the you know guys like uh, Josh Christopher at the back of the draft. Uh, yeah. DJ Boston, who I have, you know, deep in my second round because there's questions about whether or not he's, like, ready to play a role that's not a star, you know? Um, it's, it's definitely a very interesting draft with a lot of talent that are closer in the back. I know, I mean, we're looking at both of our big boards here. Um, my eighth tier is basically just guys who I just want to see play in the league <laughs> because like they're, they're just very interesting players to me. And then Alan Griffin, cause he went to Syracuse, but you know, just guys I want to be able to see play in the league because I've you know seen them play overseas or whatnot. And I'm like, wow, like this dude would be fun. And then just cause like, there's a lot of fun players out there, especially in this draft class. Um, you know, even, even a guy like Vrenz who I've talked about a lot, but like Miles McBride, uh, only six foot two with a like six eight wingspan. Uh, he had that amazing game against Cade Cunningham where he locked up Cade Cunningham and gave him buckets on the other end. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of fun dudes in this draft, and one of them from Turkey. I was really low on him, so that's my fault. Uh, a lot of people when I posted my big board were like, "Why do you have him so low?" Uh, so I've watched a lot of him, rewatched the Olympic qualifier games, actually paid a little bit of attention to him. And I, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> he's back up to my, to my third tier, uh, Alperin Schengen. He's very, very impressive. I do see him as sort of like a canter with defense, you know, quicker, a little bit more athletic too, but it's all that, you know, closer range offensive game. And the defensive end like when I say he has better defense than Ennis Canner like Ennis Canner is one of the worst defenders in the league so it's not like a hard bar to pass and so it's just like I like his game a lot I think there's certain teams where he's a good fit like if you have a guy like a Christian Wood for example you know stretch four or five who is extremely mobile then maybe you can put Schengen in next to him and be able to run you know some different plays but I don't know. I like, I, I think there's some teams in that middle of the middle range that might pass on him. I do think he goes 11 or 12 though. Like I, the Hornets and the Spurs both could use him, especially the Hornets. Like if the Hornets don't take Kai Jones or Shengun, I'll be very confused on what they're doing with the draft, but you have Shengun up at 10. I have him down at 15. Um, some guys you have below him are, you know, book Knight, giddy uh, Kai Jones as well. So what, what stands out to you for Shengun? I think when I first look at Sane Dune, I think I saw a table that compared him to other foreign big men at the age of 18. And he pretty much blew all of them, all of the prospects out of the water, like in, in most categories. I was extremely impressed. And then when I started scouting him as a 6'10", 240 guy, I did not expect him to be as mobile as he is. He's great in the pick and roll, um, great athleticism, amazing footwork. 
I mean, he, he really impressed me with his ability to go up and get the ball, you know, on, even on lob threats, you know, things of that nature. But, I mean, offensively, he looks amazing. I mean, he's, he's not that bad on defense. Like, he's, he's mobile, as you can see, on the offensive end. And on defense, he's kind of, you know, quick with his feet uh, when he's running in drop coverage. But, you know, what worries you is his – if he gets switched out onto the pressure defense and you have to put him on an island, that's for most big men. But as a 6'10", 240 guy, that's not where you want him. So that that along with his shooting range, he's not much of a shooter, but he's shown little flashes that he can shoot. But I'm, I'm ultimately buying into the fact that how productive he is at 18 years old, uh, MVP in Turkey, which isn't a bad league. A lot of former NBA players are on Turkey. So I think he's, you know, he's also been playing good in the Olympic trials. So I think he's going to be a really good player in this league. He showed me enough evidence of that at 18 years old. Yeah, I mean, the, the Turkish league is probably the third best league in the world. Um, Behind Australia. And, uh, I, don't think, I don't think Australia is there. I think the just the Euro league in general, um, okay. I would put them ahead of. But, like, Australia is getting there. Uh, they've got a little bit of time. They need to start getting more NBA players, though. um but yeah no like the Turkish league is extremely impressive and you know he killed it there my only problem is that game the style of game I don't know how it's going to work whenever you look at half the guys in this draft especially a lot of the other big men I mean you look at Evan Mobley can shoot threes Kai Jones can shoot threes JT Thor can shoot threes like even towards the end EJ Onu shot 40 percent from three um, and I'm not saying no, this is not to say that all big men need to be able to shoot threes. I'm not saying that, but like all these big men are very versatile offensive players while also having a pretty good defense. Like, I mean, Evan Mobley is someone who a lot of people are saying can be one of the best defenders of you know, parent, of the generation. Um, Kai Jones, extreme athleticism. He's able to cover so much ground because of his uh, history as a broad jumper or long jumper. JT Thor. I mean, the dude can cover anything. He can guard the perimeter. He can guard the paint, like long ass arms. And then even, you know, towards the back, EJ Onu averaged five blocks per game. Dayron Sharp, who I think kind of got lost in the mix in UNC, you know, very, very good defender. And even Jericho Sims, who can block everything. I mean, there's a lot to a lot of the players in this draft. And I, I guess I, I have to keep hammering at the, this because like, that's why I have guys like Davion Mitchell so far down. Like I just can't really buy the size. I do buy the fire and I do buy the, you know, the ability. I just think in a draft with 20 other guards <laughs> who do a lot as well, it's hard for you to stand out. And like, you have to do something amazing to me to stand out. And although Davian Mitchell shot like 45% from three, which was pretty impressive. I just don't know how much I buy it just because of the, his historical shooting. So I I'm perfectly ready to be wrong on Davian Mitchell, Davion Mitchell, but also I'm not a big Baylor person. So sorry about that. I kind of went on a tangent there, but for Shengun, like it's, it's the same argument sort of, I mean, I still have him way higher than I have Mitchell. It's just sort of like, there's a lot of big men in this draft. Like Kai Jones, I have him higher than I have Shangun. And it's just because that dude can be insane all over the court. Like he has extreme athleticism. He has a lot of like just untapped ability. And I do think at UT, like he didn't really get an opportunity to, to show everything that he can do. I think Shangun's more ready 
And that's one thing that I do like is he's a very ready prospect. So for a team like the Hornets, who you are, you are sort of on that like cusp of making the playoffs, but then the Pacers are going to be better next year. What other teams? Detroit's going to be way better next year. Okay, for sure. Yeah, yeah with, with, with Cade. Miami's going to be better next year. Atlanta's still going to be there. The Raptors will be back. You've got all these teams in the East. Nobody's nobody's falling. Like everybody either improved or stayed about the same. And we still have an off season to figure it out. If you're the Hornets, you probably need a more NBA ready type of guy. So I do think you probably take Schengen and play him at the five. I agree. But then again, you also already have Cody Zeller. So <laughs> like, but you don't, you know, Schengen's definitely way better in my opinion, but you got to remember Cody Zeller came into the draft supposed to be, you know, an insane center, like right. from his time in, uh, in Indiana. So, you know, take everything in the draft with a grain of salt. Not everybody's ever right, but yeah. uh, we're going to, we're going to move on a little bit. And talk a little bit about the rocket stuff. You know, we debated a little bit about the big boards, uh, but for the most part, me and you seem to agree, at least uh, in terms of tiering for some guys. I have broken up this middle pack of like twenty to thirty into two tiers, just because I see a little bit of separation, just in terms of what I think they can be. Um, but I think like everybody, for the most part, we're we're pretty in common for this draft, so that's cool. Um, but for twenty three and twenty four. Give, give me one person you hope slides down and one person you would reach for. One person I think every Rockets fan hopes slides down if Jalen Green is a selection at two is Kai Jones. You know, as you touched on, amazing athlete. I mean, he runs the floor like crazy. He's even shown the ability to shoot the three ball. I mean, I think he, he would be a perfect center in the, in the side of this offense. And I, I don't think there's any chance he falls to 23, but I've seen a few mocks with him at 23, so. If he somehow falls that far, the Rockets absolutely have to pick him if Jalen Green is a selection at two. And I would say as a guy that I would reach for, I think every Rockets fan would tell you they would reach for Trey Mann. I mean, Trey Mann is amazing. Um, great shooter. I took most of his three-pointers off the dribble and still shot over 40% on the year. So he, he can come in and be that instant creator, make a lot of three balls for a Rockets team that was really bad from three last year. So that's something they really need then. I think Trey Manning and Kai Jones would be yeah, my two picks for, the, for that answer. I do think if Trey Mann starts getting into that like 18, 19 range, maybe we trade up for that and, and take him. But, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. had that tweet that came out uh, yesterday that I am, I'm a point guard. I am a so point guard. I am a point guard. So I don't think he wants them drafting point guards. Uh, but, you know, you can't draft, you, you, you can't build around players like that. We did that with Harden. Who knows? What yeah, happened. we saw what happened. <laughs> but, you know, I, you know, he's he's the point guard. And I think I really think he is the point guard. So I don't know about I, I think that's that's what they want to do for the next couple of years. But Trey Mann's also, you know, six, five, you know, very, very, very skilled uh, can like you said, can come in, be the initiator. He can, you know, play very well in the Silas offense. And I, I just, I love seeing Silas with point guards. And that's why I, I said last podcast, I thought a little bit too much about Silas with Jalen Suggs, just because, just because I love the idea of Silas with point guards, you know, that 23, 24 range, there's a lot of guys who I think can slide down. Kai Jones would be amazing. Somebody who I would like to get. And I know I just said, I don't like Baylor, but I do like this guy and Jared Butler. 
if the health concerns are kind of, you know, wiped away, not wiped away, but like not there for whenever they do physicals and they're, they're not very concerned about it. I would love to get Jared Butler and put him next to Kevin Porter Jr. But, you know, like you said, it all depends on sort of how you pick at the top. For 23 and 24 for myself, I kind of have been going around and around and around. I know I've talked to uh, your cousin about this a lot, about how I'm not very high on Corey Kispert. But if he's there at 23 or 24, I yeah, yeah you got to take him. Uh, <laughs> you got you to take him because uh, we saw how poorly the Rockets have shot in history. If you can get a guy like this, like you do it. Um, and something I would like for Corey Kisper, and I know it's very lazy to just compare white people with white people, but this is what I'm going to do. If he can be less Joe Harris, more Wally Serbiak, I, I would absolutely love that. And I think Corey Kispert could be that. It's just about whether or not he will be that. And that's the that's the biggest uh, separated for me. And I think it all depends on what team drafts him. Because if he gets if he gets drafted by, you know, a a team that is ready for the playoffs, wants to compete, and just is throwing in a shooter, he's gonna get played as a as a spot up shooter, run off some actions and catch the ball and shoot the ball you know, running off of pin downs and handoffs and whatnot. And that's, that's going to be his game for the rest of his career. But I think if he gets drafted by a team that is ready to develop some players and really develop their skill sets, then I think Kispert can really, can really blossom. But I think the Rockets are in that position at 23 and 24. I don't think he slips there. I have heard that he does have a promise to get taken in the top 10. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, probably at 10, uh, no, not, not at 10, but I'll just say in the top 10. In the top 10? Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So we'll see if that holds that's, you know, it, it is, it is what it is. I mean, Kispert is a great talent. He did make the NCAA championship game. And the more I watch that Gonzaga team and just like watch these guys, I realize they had a ton of talent on that team. I mean, they have like five guys in this draft plus another like three in next year's draft. Uh, and they're also bringing in Chet Holmgren. Uh, and that's going to be a little bit about what I want to end on. I will, just a segue from big man to big man. We're going to talk a little bit about Mobley versus Green. You've changed your mind recently. I have, yes. So what changed your mind? Because I've been pretty green ahead of Mobley, and I'll explain my stance on it whenever you're done. But what made you move over to, to Green Gang? I'll start with Evan Mobley because as a prospect, I really love Evan Mobley. Seven foot, seven four wingspan. Um, people use the term three level score with or with, with prospects. I think Evan Mobley is a three level defender because he can really clamp up on the perimeter. Obviously, in the paint, in the in between game, amazing in the drop. I think he's like the perfect defensive big man. Obviously, he just needs some weight on him, and he'll be he'll be perfectly fine on that end. And then offensively, I think he just brings a lot of versatility in a silence offense. I saw how the Rockets use Kelly Olynyk um, next to Christian Wood. And I think that Evan Mobley has the, those playmaking abilities to really uh, thrive in a silence offense. Um, he's, he's displayed shooting touch. I think he shot 13 for 25 last year on mid-range shots. And I think if he's able to extend that to his three ball, which he only shot 30%, then his offensive game will blossom. So I just think as a, a prospect, Evan Mobley is – He's insane, and that's why I was initially Evan Mobley. 
And I, I really, really started to watch Jalen Green a lot more and just seeing his demeanor. And like I said, when I, when I buy into Scotty Barnes, the person, I think I'm really starting to buy into Jalen Green, the person. He kind of yeah. has that mentality. And he says he studies a lot of MJ and Kobe, as most young guys do. But I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the way he plays. But I'm kind of buying him in to be maybe one of those guys. And I know that's a, it's a huge stretch. But I just think from an offensive standpoint, I mean, he's already the most gifted scorer in the class. We know that he can be a future perennial scoring champion in this league. And it's just hard for me to, I, just when I watch him, I'm just like, I don't want, I don't know if I can pass up on that star power. But I mean, Silas and, and you know, Rafael Stone really can't go wrong with the second pick. I think Mobley and Green are great prospects. I think I've just seen Jalen Green recently in these interviews and uh, draft breakdowns. He just looks amazing. So, I mean, yeah, I think I'm 51, 49 green right now. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> where I have them on my personal big board is different than where I would have them on a Rockets big board. And I'll say that because if the Raptors were number two, if the Cavs were number two, if the Magic were number two, if Detroit were number two, I would probably tell all those teams to take Evan Mobley. Right. In terms of the position the Rockets are in, I think it's great um, because no matter what, you have a great pairing, right? You have Kevin Porter Jr. in green, or you have Mobley and Wood. Either way, you have an amazing pairing in either the front or backcourt, so you can't go wrong either which, with, with, with whoever you take. Whenever we listened to Rafael Stone uh, about a month ago, he said he was going to expect us to pick young players, expect us to pick for potential um, like we're gonna, we're gonna really like kind of go and get guys that we think that we can, we can develop. I think that's going to happen at 23 and 24. I think, you know, we'll, you'll see us reach for someone who most people have pegged at like 30 or 32 and we'll draft him at 24 because he's, you know, 18, 19 years old or something, or, you know, some insane, some guy with an insane skill set who just isn't really going up like for like a Mamu, for example, a uh, 6'11 shooting guard, basically drafting a guy like that at 24, just to see what you can do with his skill set. Like, I think we're going to get very creative with those back picks in terms of the kind of guys we draft. So at the top of the draft, I think either way you're drafting potential, either way you're drafting an insane skill set and a possible future, you know, multi multiple time all-star i really think that all the guys in that first tier can be multiple time all-stars for their career agree <laughs> as as horrible as it sounds um we're gonna be bad the next couple of years regardless um you know whether you know even if mobley and green are either one of them come in or in our instant impact i don't see us being more than a end of uh, play in tournament team like maybe the 10 seed I think we'll probably be in the like 11 to 13 seed range so two things one I think I go for the guy like you said who whose character I'm really buying into and that is Jalen Green I just think that he can be he can come in he can be a leader we saw we read the article from uh from Kelly at the the athletic about Jalen Green about how he was you know basically a leader in every locker room he came into. And then whenever he went to the G league, Bobby Brown, a former rocket uh, from the Harden era and before 
you know, talking about how Jalen Green was just ready to learn, ready to soak up information, turn out the noise and just go hoop. Right. Um, and that's going to be him, his rookie season too. Like, I don't think he'll have the pressure on him. One, because the media doesn't like to watch Houston. So they're not going to have any pressure on him anyway. But also too, uh, he's already like gotten used to shutting that stuff out. So I think he'll be able to adjust better than, you know, people expect him to. He's already played against professionals and all that. But then my main reason why I want the Rockets to pick him is um, we're going to be bad. Let's have a lot of fun doing it. And let's have a backcourt that are friends, super, super, super talented, ready to play together, want to play together, can give you those extreme moments. Like what was the biggest problem with Rockets basketball last year? We had a lot of really young players. We were losing but there was a lot of frustrating moments because it was like, man, these guys just like can't really play that well sometimes because we're playing, you know, G League guys and whatnot. Yeah. We're going to be bad regardless. Let's have a lot of fun. And I think Jalen Green is going to give us a very, very, very fun season next year. So would Evan Mobley. Like, don't get me wrong. That man can jump out the gym. He can block anything. But, you know, just the... I think the environment that the Rockets team could have with, with a personality like Jalen Green in the locker room, it, it will change a lot for this organization. I really do. And I think something that, you know, like you were saying, like you, you don't know what it is, but I feel like we're just kind of like, you just want to buy into Jalen Green and how he plays. Almost every generation has grown up with a score like that. You know, I mean, there's Michael Jordan. And as soon as Michael Jordan was gone, we had Kobe. And then, you know, you're seeing guys like uh, I, I know Harden doesn't have the biggest fan base, but he does have a huge fan base because of how well he could score, how good of an offensive player he was. Uh, and now guys like Devin Booker and Jason Tatum, who are these elite three level scorers. Like, I think Jalen Green can be an elite three level scorer and his athleticism is just so incredible. That I think you you get a guy who one and, and turn on the business side of things puts butts in seats. Like people will show up to watch Jalen green. People will show up from outside of Houston to watch Jalen green. I agree. Uh, Jalen green has that mold. He will attract the crowd. He will not- attract the crowd. And you know, he's, he's very much someone who will put butts in seats. Yes. Uh, he's someone who will sell jerseys. He's someone who will sell tickets and not just in Houston. He will sell tickets in, in other crowds. I just think it's it's too good of one, a business opportunity to pass up, and two, just a locker room opportunity to pass up. Like you get this super, super great guy who like really, and I know a lot of people say like everybody that plays in the league wants to be the best, but this guy has the ability to be the best as well. And maybe not ever, but in this draft class. And so I don't, I, I think you. I think you take him at two and you run with it at 23 and 24. Maybe you take a guy like JT Thor. If he's fallen, like you said, Kai Jones, some guys that I would also be looking at Garuba. If he's there at 23, you take him. Uh, I think that's the perfect guy to put next to next to Christian Wood at the four. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you take a bones Highland and just add another guard. I would like to see it to get wings and there's just not very many wings at that part of the draft. Someone I do think that I would love to take at 24 is Josh Christopher. And if we took Jalen green, 
the two of them are very, very good friends. I think you just add a very, like one thing I loved about the Rocket team last year was how interconnected it was. Like you had a lot of already set relationships, so they were able to get along a lot better. And I think that that would help a little bit uh, in terms of what we're trying to build here in Houston. And so, you know, taking green at two, uh, maybe you take like Thor and Josh Christopher at 23 and 24 and Christopher, another you know high potential guy, also very young. So there's, there's a lot that this team can do in terms of Mobley green though. Like I think Mobley probably is the better prospect, but if you're the Rockets, I don't think you can pass up on Jalen green. Yeah. I hear you. I think they go Jalen green ultimately. And you hear people talking about the Rockets and, you know, the noise that they'll end up taking Jalen Green. I think it's valid. I think that's probably what they'll end up. And there was a rumor that came out, I mean, the other day, and, you know, I don't know how much truth it holds, but uh, saying that Jalen Green got a, a promise from a team already, not knowing what team it is. That team very likely could have just been the Cavs. And then right. like, and that's what I think. If you're there at three, we're going to take you. Yeah, uh, easier to say. because Yeah, then, I'd, also, I'd also hope so. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we can't make uh, promises that early. Yeah. But before we wrap up, I'm going to go ahead and let you plug whatever you're doing. You have some cool stuff coming up. So go ahead and tell everybody what you're doing. So I just got on with Apollo Houston. I'm going to be writing an article about my big board and Rockets needs for the draft and potential draft fits. So I'll be talking about guys like Kai Jones or Uzman. If they fall to us, we can grab them. Or maybe some later guys that we can grab, like a Josh Primo, Miles McBride even Rocco and obviously like a JT Thor and a Jaden Springer kind of guy. So I'll be writing about that. That'll be coming out before draft time. So stay tuned. Again, my at name is Hakeem the Dream on Twitter. So you'll be able to see all that stuff on there. Yeah, fellow uh, Apollo Apollo member, I will also be having some stuff coming out on Apollo. So y'all stay tuned. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out there. Um, we're going to have a couple more episodes before the draft. I hope to do something on the draft, but I also might be attending it. So uh, nice. we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But uh, until next time, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Brad, for joining me. Um, this is a great, great episode. Great to talk about some of these different prospects. Um, we're, and, you know, we'll see you guys next week.